Aviola here, and this beautiful sister that you see with me is Shan Booty. How you doing, Shan? Hey, girl. How are you doing? I'm having an awesome day. I'm glad that we're bonding over the curls. It feels right. Yes. We're talking about relationships. We're in the right place. We are in exactly the right place. Well, my sister, let me tell them all about you. One of my favorite things is bragging on other brown women and the magic that we are making in the world. So let me tell y'all all about my sister, Miss Shan Boudram. Okay, so Shan is a certified sex educator and lifestyle YouTube personality alongside her mainstream coverage from ABC's The View to Fox News to CNN, New York Times, Forbes, and Time Magazine. Known by her community as Shan Booty, the Canadian native has made headlines as an MTV host and a spokeswoman for Trojan Lifestyle Products, and she actually wore a skirt built out of her pleasure condoms to the MTV VMA red carpet. I love that, and I have to look that up afterward because that is badass. <laughs> badass. Wait, let me tell. Let me brag on you some more. But over here, let me brag on you some more. Okay, so her other business is pleasure. Well, all of her business is pleasure, but she has these stylish necklaces that also function as on-demand vibrators. Yes, oh, vibrators yay. on the go. Yay! <laughs> she's also a best-selling author with her book, Laid, and she's a contributing writer for Freeform Network's The Bold Type series, which my sister and I actually love and did watch and saw every episode. And Shan recently threw a sexual health party with her closest friends to discuss dun, 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 STDs. So we're going to begin because she is a spokesperson for the Yes Means Test campaign. So Goddess Shan, welcome to this conversation. That's the fancy bio. Who is Shan behind all of the accolades? I think I'm just somebody who's curious, uh, somebody who has always wanted to live my best life and thought that pleasure should be a part of that. And I've been talking about sex and relationships for over 10 years now, and I'm learning every single day. So I'm just encouraging people to get started on the process because it's not two weeks in school or one conversation with a parent. It's a lifelong journey that I'm proud to champion. Your work is so necessary because for me, it wasn't even, there were no conversations with parents, zero. And in school, there was a, a lady stood in front of the class and rolled a condom onto a banana. That's all I That's more than I saw. That's great. <laughs> and so your work is very, very necessary. How early did you know that this was the path that you wanted to take in your pleasure studies and pleasure empowerment? There's kind of two answers to this. And one of my good friends, Melanie Fiona, has this theory that people think that we're trying to move forward in life, but what we really try to do is go back, go back to your original instincts. And yes. so she said that when she was growing up, she wanted to be a singing nurse. And now she finds herself singing healing songs. Um, for me, I've just always been very physically precocious. I've always been very curious about physicality, curious about love, curious about intimacy. My Barbies were banned from being naked when I was five <laughs> years old. I just, you know, I was always very touchy and I was like, okay, like stop, stop. And there's a lot of suppression happening in my life. So I feel like I knew that I was supposed to talk about 
intimacy since I was five. Um, but it wasn't until I was around 18, 19 years old when I had just gone through a really negative sex life. So when you have somebody who is naturally um, curious about physicality, but also gets no information, you end up with somebody who goes down the wrong path because you find whatever you can. And whatever I could find happened to be porn. The coldest winter ever shaped a lot of my sex life, unfortunately. And yeah. so... By the time I turned 18, 19, I'd had a bunch of negative experiences. I think I had like six partners, zero orgasms, just a lot of trauma and no pleasure. And I was like, this can't be it. So I got myself a library card and started reading and researching about sex. And for the first time was getting good information that I thought was super boring. And I thought to myself, there's a there's an opening here. There's a chance for someone to take this information and turn it into something that's as interesting as the porn that I watched or as juicy as the TV shows yes. I like. And so I think I really started my journey uh, at that time. But if I was, if I really thought about it, I think I began, you know, when I first learned how to talk. Yeah, yeah, that makes so much sense. You know that I like, I like the saying that it's not, you know, us like moving forward into something, but us going back to what our true answer and true calling was because as children, we are often so wise and then there's a suppression that happens. So what has been the reaction of your family? Are they like, yeah, this is awesome. Are they like, what are you doing? Are they like, ah, let's wait and see. Well, it's been 10 years. So now it's good. Now it's good. <laughs> they're really happy about it. They love telling people. I mean, they still have, I think, areas that they're like, they're not comfortable venturing into. But when it first began, it was not like that at all. Uh, my mom's first reaction, because when I was doing my book Laid, I put out a, a submission for other people to share their stories about sex that others could learn from. And so I had to tell my story because it's be the change you wish to see in the world. So I told my story online and I, I, I have to admit, I was kind of sneaky. I have Caribbean parents. And so I waited until they were on vacation before sending them the link because I wanted to give them time to cool down. So they come back home from their trip after seeing this link and my mom was livid and her reaction was like, men are going to be in rooms laughing and masturbating. They're going to get together and just laugh and masturbate at you. And like, that was her thought. Like that's her biggest fear that she thought. I'm like, I don't know who you're hanging out with mom, but um, <laughs> that was her initial reaction. And, and they definitely were not on board. It took a long time. When my book finally got published, they came to the book launch. That was the first time that they saw that people weren't laughing and masturbating. And then they were like, okay, we, we get that this, this might be something. Um, but it really wasn't until probably, you know, seven years later that they totally felt on board and comfortable with it. So and that goes for me, too. It took me a long time to fully embrace this side of myself because you are fighting against a lot. So I don't fault them for not being on board uh, initially. And now it's more of a funny story than anything else. All right. So we just had just a brief like glitch. We got kicked off the line. They didn't want our gynae sisterhood moment to be great. What? <laughs> so let's continue where we left off. I was geeking out and excited that you were Guyanese because I saw your name and I was like, she's either Guyanese or Trini. I wonder which one. And you're Guyanese. Yes, Yay. yes I am. I sometimes <laughs> wish I was Trini, but I'm Guyanese. <laughs> oh, blasphemy, girl. I know, blasphemy. Yeah, it's just they have the carnival, they have doubles, you know, they have great stuff. We have pepper pots, which is nice. Yes, yes. And you explained about the way that your mom reacted to your pleasure course of study, which I totally get now because Guyanese mothers are prone to overreaction just a, a wee bit. So what originally inspired your book, Laid? It was just having a really bad sex life. It was just going through a lot of negatives as a teen and feeling like this can't be it and just feeling let down by the education system let down by the culture that I was a part of, you know, amongst my friends, you know, who lied to each other. It just felt like 
I didn't find um, a place that provided me with accurate, reliable, and helpful information that would aid me in having a positive sex life. And so that was that was the start of it all. Now, were you always this courageous? Because a lot of people may have, might have, you know, that kind of a dream or kind of a wish, but they don't have the courage, you know, the ovaries to go out and make it happen. <laughs> it was one of those, I love that, uh, rather than the balls, um, <laughs> the anatomical twin. I think that um, it's a catchphrase too, because I'm sort of, I, I've been flowed with it. Like I've been doing sex ed for 10, 11 years, but there was definitely years that I was like, no, 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 I'm not a sex expert. I'm a feminist writer. No, 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 no. I'm not that. I'm more of a personality. Like I, cause I was going through the shame and experiencing the backlash. I would try to water down my message or water down my title. And, um, so it just, I, there were times I felt very strong about it. When I first started doing laid, I think about myself back then, how ballsy I was because I, or ovary-ish I was, cause I yes. literally, you know, failed a year of college cause I was dedicated wow. to this book. I remember one of my email addresses being one of the early titles of my book was Save Your Cherry. And I was like using that for my professors. And one of my professors was like, you can't use this as your email address. And I was like, why not? Like I was so strong about it. And then I kind of got into the corporate world and started to water it down a bit. And then I sort of started to try to ease back. And then by the time I moved to California, I was like, this is it. I'm going full blown, full force. I don't care anymore. This is who I am. This is what I talk about. So I give people space to be wherever they're at, honor your position right now. There's something valid and relatable about that. Um, so we're not always going to feel completely confident or completely courageous. We may have spurts of that, but be patient with yourself. I think that that's really, really good advice. Be patient with yourself. And I think that a lot of your work is about doing away with the taboos that don't allow people to show up authentically as themselves. Are the women who follow your work, does it tend to be, you know, teens to like older women? Because I feel like everyone could use a dash of this magic in their world. I wish it was a bit more teens, but it tends to be 18, 20, 18 to 35 is my major age group. And I feel like 35 and up is larger than under 17. So it's it tends to be people who are like in college and just like are ready to be a bit more serious about their sexuality. But I personally think it's it's for anybody who's just thinking like, what does pleasure mean to me and what does intimacy mean to me? Um, so that definitely is something that I'd like to see change. But I'm also grateful to have an older audience so I can um, get away with a bit more. <laughs> Absolutely. I am grateful for, I watched uh, just actually right before our call, your recent video, a party, a sex, the sex themed sex ed party that you had. And I thought that it was awesome. And I would love to see that take off, you know, throughout the country. Tell the viewer who may be unfamiliar with it and my essence readers about that experience and what it was. So American Sexual Health Association contacted me and they had this campaign called Yes Means Test. And the notion behind that is if you're going to say yes to sex, you should be saying yes to getting tested. And that's because less than 12% of young people get tested annually, even though one in two people under age 25 will contract an STI or an STD in their lifetime. And they were like, we want to change this. We want to start the conversation that people just automatically think about testing. 
And the first thing that came to mind for me is while like, yes, it's important to have this discussion with our partners, I think with our friends and our community, that's where it really has value. And so I was like, okay, I know every group of friends has one person who's that friend. <laughs> it's that friend and you're that friend who everyone goes to talk about their sex life with, who they call when they're going through a breakup. And I'm like, if I can get all of those individuals rallied up, then they can become the advocates and the experts in their own community, which is way more powerful. Um, oftentimes I'm hearing it from a partner, which is, there's a lot of layers of, taboo of shame of discomfort of and of course of a lack of desire to be vulnerable when it's someone that we could potentially be intimate with but when it's friends we tend to be more candid and more open so I'm like this is a place that i think that we could take up for each other as a community and so i just put a call out out there looking for an la native who was that friend in their group because all my friends are sick and tired of me talking to them about sexual health they're like we get it Yes, we've been tested. Yes, even if we're not having sex, we will get our pap test done. So I'm like, okay, let me just try and find a new group to infiltrate. And this girl, Brittany, reached out and she was perfect. She happens to be a yoga teacher and she had eight friends that she got together. And we essentially just threw this party for them that was fun. We had games, we had candies, we had vulva cupcakes. Yes. We made signs, we took photos. It was just supposed to be like, let's not make this this drab. And that goes back to my original purpose of doing sex and intimacy education. I'm like, the books and information are great, but they're very dry. They're very, like, they're not inviting. So I didn't want to throw a sexual health party that was not fun. It's just supposed to be fun and inviting and encourage people to feel light about it and feel like I can say this thing that I've never said before. And I was shocked, too, because two other people, because I've had chlamydia before, and I don't mind. I'll tell that to the, the gas man. I don't care. I just It's <laughs> not a big deal to me. But a lot of people are very precious about that information because of stigma. But two other people in the group were like, yes, I've had it. Another girl was like, yes, I've had herpes. So we had a really great candid discussion. And um, yeah, it was yes means test and a mix of yes means test and Brittany, who just made it completely magical. I love that. And I want to let's 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 talk real talk. What is chlamydia? Because, you know, like people don't know this stuff. Like you said, we may learn it maybe in school, you know, chlamydia, gonorrhea, you know, we know that, you know, there are like these statistics and the whole thing seems daunting. So most people just skip over it. So I think that, you know, it's, let's, let's get into it. What is it? Do people, you know, are there symptoms? How do, how do women know if they've, if they've got it? Let's talk about it. So chlamydia is a sexually transmitted infection. And what makes infections different from diseases is they're not viral. And so that essentially means you can transmit it through, of course, bodily fluids is a very easy way. Uh, through skin-to-skin -skin contact even. So you can get chlamydia through oral, through vaginal, through anal sex. You might even possibly get it from rubbing up against the sore or against the site. Not the site, sorry, not, not the sore. There's no sores with chlamydia. Um, so I think that if people keep in mind that it is an infection, and so infections like a common cold, they spread a number of different ways. But the difference is this particular infection many times has no symptoms. From women especially, over half of women will have no symptoms at all. If you do see symptoms, it might be bleeding during your period, discharge, of course, that is different in color, a burning sensation while urinating, itching or itchy or redness. Um, if you do see symptoms, if you don't see symptoms, you'll go on as normal. That doesn't mean that you aren't still at risk for the long-term um, negative ramifications of that infection. So you are at risk for pelvic inflammatory disease, which can lead to infertility. Of course, you are at risk of passing it on to other partners. And so it is scary for that reason because it is the most prevalent sexually transmitted infection. And most people don't get tested, so probably don't know they have it. 
I think when we think about testing, we think, oh, I'll only go if I've got burning or if there's something really crazy going on down there. But the truth of the matter is that most people who are carrying what can be a very, very damaging infection will have no symptoms at all. And the thing is that, you know, it sounds obvious when we say, wait a minute, it is easier for you to be intimate with someone sexually with your body parts than to have this conversation with them. But when people are in the situation and in the heat of the moment, you know, or in their regular everyday relationships, they don't see it that way. So I think it's really, really beautiful and powerful. Thank you for empowering us as women. I feel empowered in talking to you, you know, and just having this conversation and I'm older than you. So thank you. I'm gonna wait, I I wanna read some, some stats. Let's see, all right. So one in two sexually active people will get an STD by age 25. Fewer than 12% of young people say they've been tested in the past year. Black women are five times more likely to get chlamydia than white women. Now, I was under, I think, um, a hopeful delusion (laughs) that, you know, everyone like painted this picture of like, I don't know, like, I just thought that there was more conversation happening now around this. You know what I mean? Like, I thought, okay, millennials are badass and they are able to more courageously have these conversations and step up if they're having sex with somebody and be like, dude or ma'am or whoever, we got to go get tested. Let's handle it. I thought that there was a shift, but apparently not. Yeah. Why do you think that things are still, you know, kind of in that same zone? I think that awareness is important, but action is also a very important component of awareness. And we're the generation of awareness. We're tweeting, we're praying for Haiti, we're praying for Paris, we're praying for Charlottesville. We're always, we're aware of what's going on, but are we actually taking action? Are we going the next step to see what we can do? And so while a lot of people I think are aware more of the risks of having sex and aware more about the conversations they should be having, is that action taking place? And are we providing them with tools to understand action? One of the things I thought was really great about Yes Means Test, for example, is not just giving you stats and information and sharing, you know, here's why you should. It then has an area at the bottom that says, put in your zip code here and find out where in your area you can go to get tested. That's a step that a lot of people overlook because it's one thing, again, to say do it. It's another thing to explain how to get it done and where to get it done. So I think that the action part of things is definitely missing. The awareness is hopeful. And I am like I am part of a group of people. Obviously, whoever follows me online tends to be a bit more um, active than the, than the average person. So I live in that world that you live in where I'm like everyone's getting tested. Most people yeah. have this conversation. <laughs> But a lot of people are not. Even if they do know it exists out there, I don't think they're given the tools and necessary next steps to put some action behind it. And the interesting thing, thank you for breaking that down for us. You know, the interesting thing is that, you know, where the numbers are going up and there's more urgency in the African-American, Afro-Caribbean, people of African descent community, period, there tend to be greater stigmas around having these conversations. And I think one of the women in your video talked about like how, you know, with white partners, she was able to more easily have these conversations. And with black male partners, um, there was a little bit more of pushback. Can you speak to that a bit and maybe give some advice for an essence reader who is wanting to be able to have these conversations? I think it's a matter of the top-down effect, one. So if most people that you talk to, most people that I talk to, and women of color and people of color, and you ask about their parents' perspective on sex, they're gonna be like, never have the conversation, it gets shut down right away, 
And so if that's the attitude that their family had, it's very logical that that gets passed down. So even though maybe they might become more aware when someone approaches them about sexuality, they, they employ the same tactic of let's shut it down. Um, and so a lot of times when they do talk to partners, you have that response that girls have where people respond with anger. And that might be the same response that their parent gave to them if they tried to have the conversation. So it's a bit of mimicking that's going on. Of course, it's lack of access to healthcare and lack of awareness of where the nearest clinics and um, healthcare providers are. But I also think as well, too, one of the things I found was so discouraging and like weird, you know, you know when Usher and his herpes story came out yeah. and I just saw a community react with the exact worst way possible, yeah. which was fear, humiliation, ridicule, um, just defaming his name. And shame. I thought, shame, yeah. why would any single person who is positive with herpes feel compelled after seeing him go through that to share their experience? Why would anyone feel compelled to want to get right. tested? That would just create more fear in me. Of like, I don't want to know that I have that because if I do, I could drastically lose everything. I could change my life so much. So I think it's the way that we react to each other. And then as well to a bit of the top-down mimicking effect, of course, with socioeconomic issues, uh, socioeconomic issues that have been present since the beginning of American uh, inception. So I definitely think that it starts with, again, I think the softer approach of nurturing each other, having those conversations as a community. And then when someone does respond to you with anger or with fear, when you do bring up the conversation of health, it's asking them some follow up questions like, why are you bothered by that? Or like, what about that makes you angry? Or, you know, what have you ever been tested before? What are your fears or concerns with that? Here's what mine is. I'm a big fan of give to get. I think you have to give a bit of vulnerability to get some back. And that's always been my tactic. So sharing maybe your own personal struggles You're like, yeah, you know what? Like when I first started having sex, I also had a lot of fear around getting tested, but I've been before. It's not a big deal. Like, you know, let's have the discussion a bit more. So don't just back off when they don't give you the perfect response. Try to be a bit more empathetic and then have a few follow up questions that are prepared so that you know you can further the discussion. Great advice. Okay, so let's talk about having open these same open conversations around pleasure, you know, because yes, there's the it's very important that we do the yes means test, you know, thing, route, plan, procedure, and process, <laughs> right? Like that is key. But then, you know, the other side of it is women knowing that they have the right to pleasure, that they have the right, you know, we have the clitoris, the one body part that's made only for pleasure and magic. <laughs> so let's talk about like what that conversation might sound like. If so, if say, if someone wanted to recommend your vibrator jewelry, <laughs> you know, to a partner or how does that, let's talk, give an example and some advice on how to have that conversation. So how to open up the conversation with your partner about your own pleasure to advocate yes. for your pleasure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just a matter of really being clear what you like um, and never ever faking and never lying. It's a slippery slope yes. where you're transmitting wrong information to someone. It's like trying to help somebody on a test by telling them that their wrong answers are right. Like a tutor being like, yeah, I know that that's right. Cause you don't want to hurt their feelings. And then they go ahead and they flunk the test. Um, so it's just like, you've got to be honest. You have to bite the bullet and be clear. I think for women, especially, Living in a society um, that still, because I even like, you know, watching HBO's Insecure, which was an amazing show, it was great, but the representation of sex was like 
very troubling to me because it was like no foreplay, pants off, we're hammering at each other and then we're finished and you leave. And I'm supposed to crave that. Um, so I think that it's changing the narrative and understanding that the narrative has to be changed around how most women do experience pleasure. But even the way that you just said it was incredible. You know, it's like, it's the only body part that's only functioning pleasure. It's getting excited about it. And I think that's the mistake that we make when we're doing education in any regard. We make it drab or dreadful or possibly offensive. We're like, okay, like, let's go into this rather than like, this is fun. We're talking about pleasure. We're talking about health. We're talking about living our best lives. Like, this is an exciting conversation to have. And I think it's an attitude switch where it's like, Arm yourself with the right information and knowledge. Acknowledge that your needs are valid, that your health is valid, your pleasure is valid, and then go into those discussions excited about it because that's a beautiful journey to undertake. And anybody who loves you or who's a good partner is going to be just as excited as you are. They really are. They really are. And I'm going to ask you, you know, what's coming up for you and what the next book is because there needs to be a next book happening. So I'm going to put in my request that there needs to be. But I just wanted to just share with you like how magical like this conversation is. The night I found out about you the night before your team contacted me. Literally oh, just wow. the night before I had been on YouTube. I did a series. I was doing a specific series of interviews and one person I had to keep rescheduling her, rescheduling her. So I was trying to find someone else who was like a YouTube star to interview around a certain thing. And I came up on you and your video, how to get a hundred thousand, how I got a hundred thousand yes. followers, something like that. I'll, yeah. I'll link to it for our essence folks below. And then I watched the video and I was like, Oh, she's amazing. I should reach out to her. Then I, you know, heard your part of the video where you talked about like this, like bootleg like person who contacted you and it was like a contact gone wrong and I was like okay no she's probably jaded won't work out <laughs> Go on to the next person. then the next morning like talk about like a manifestation uh, like high-powered manifestation I'm like big into the law of attraction the next morning Shan the next like not a 24-hour cycle had passed the next morning I got an email from your peeps and the and in the subject line when it said you know are you interested in interviewing Shan Booty I was thinking first like that it was some weird YouTube algorithm thing that had tracked me down or whatever I was like <laughs> 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 and then your guy needs so it's meant to be so what magic are you putting out into the world next let me know books TV, everything. Tell me the whole thing. Well, I have a show right now on Facebook called Makeup or Breakup. Um, that's like my biggest project I've had to date that's really, really cool and forward thinking. I think so much of what both of us do really is a community approach to education. It's not just like I'm going to go top my mountain of information and disseminate information upon you uh, little ones. It's like we're going to be down with you and we're learning yeah. together. We're learning from each other. And that show is really indicative of that, which I love so much about it. I do not have a book coming out, but now I feel very, I feel very pumped up about it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. <laughs> but hopefully partnering with Yes Means Test again, we, I was really good because they had partnered with a couple of other YouTubers. And even though I'm not one of the biggest ones by far, uh, our campaign still reached the most people who actually went and found a clinic in their area, clicked right. the website, learned, wanted to be educated. And I thought that was really, really special, especially because 
my community is majority black women and women of color. And the fact that we were able to really take hold of our health and go the next extra step was a good proof to say, okay, even though the stats are drab, the action is behind it. And yes. I'm really, really, really proud that I'm a part of a community that is taking action. Yay, that is awesome. That is awesome, awesome, awesome. I am going to give you another little assignment because I'm Guyanese and I can't help myself. So I'm going to like Guyanese big sister over here. You are amazing. I think you're rocking it. I think one of the additional things that I would love for you to do, I know you're not taking requests. No, I'll take requests from you. Listen. (laughs) (laughs) If I can big sister you for a second. Like about, it was literally 10 years ago, I directed the first erotica for African-American women and it was nominated for seven AVN awards and won a bunch of awards and like did like a lot of like really exciting things, you know? And I feel like the world has shifted and I feel like we need another one. And that's not right now what is in the calling in the cards for me, but I, if, if it's in the cards for you, let me know and I will put you in touch with some people because you're amazing and I think you would rock it. I would love to learn more about that. I want to see your project as well. And I read your bio and I know that we're like just great kindred souls here. So this means so much. And of course, it's like the thing is like it's the intercommunity support that's like yeah. in immeasurably invaluable. So thank you for like all your love and for the time and for taking an interest in this story. Um, it's not the most splashiest one, but definitely I think can make a lot of good waves. It is amazing. And so are you. Shan Booty, yesmeanstest.org. And is your YouTube just YouTube, uh, Shan Booty, youtube.com slash Shan Booty? It's Shannon T. Boudram, the full one. Okay. If you just look up Shan Booty, it's a lot shorter. Everyone gets to the same place. <laughs> okay. So your marching orders, my beautiful goddess, sister, or enchant- enchanted man, if you're watching, are to head over to yesmeanstest.org. And check out my newly adopted little sister rocking the globe from TV, mainstream to indie and back. All right. I will see you in the next conversation, my loves. Be seen, be heard, be a movement. Namaste. Yay.